Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 16 of A Very Bookish Podcast. Um, We're so excited for today's episode. Today we are going to be part one of our A Court of Silver Flames book review um talk I don't know chat we're gonna talk about the book we're gonna talk about the first half so today we're gonna talk all the way up to page 346 which is the end of chapter 31 um we decided that we're gonna split this up in two because it's gonna be a lot to talk about and we also don't have the time to sit here for four hours at a time talking about stuff so we decided to do split it up into two parts because we did this for book club read and we also decided to do this in a later date to give everybody a month at least to read it um but i mean you don't have to watch it because this is going to be a major spoilers we might even talk about stuff later in the book so we'll try to keep it though to this first half of the book in case you haven't read the second half yet Mm -hmm. i'm really excited about this i think this is um one of my most anticipated episodes because i knew we were gonna have to do this one this one and of course uh, a crown of gilded bones because those are these are my two favorite couples so i'm excited yeah yeah i'm really excited um kind of to get this started i wanted to talk about this is one of the first okay second book this year that I've annotated so for our YouTube watchers such listeners you can see how many annotations I have done and Grace and I were just talking about the annotations beforehand and I'm gonna read a couple of the ones that I have just my key so I have pink is for like dialogue or quotes that I very enjoyed orange like the cover is for those spicy scenes or like spicy sayings that happen and let's just say I have a ton of orange Um, and then I have like yellow for fight scenes, um, green for other, and then I have one important one to myself, which is purple for mental health. Um, I have blue for bad bitch moments, and then I have like this bright ass orangey yellow for dumb bitch moments, because there's a lot of those here too. (laughs) I love how like when we first like started reading this, like you gave us your whole key and you were just like, that's the one that I'm proud of, of the dumb bitch moments. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, if you guys follow me on TikTok, I do have like, um, annotating video of how I usually keep my annotating. I, I usually do like a three tab system. So I, uh, try to match my tabs to my color of cover of the book. And I usually like to do that just to keep my annotating the same three tabs, every book that I do. So for this one, I stuck with those three and I maybe added like one more. Um, So I did black, gray, and orange. Orange, I stuck with the spicy because it just popped out that much. uh, Black was for important moments and gray was for for, uh, magic or world building um, kind of foreshadowing moments. I did add in an extra one um a yellow one which I'm kind of mad kind of threw off my little color coding vibe but it's fine um my yellow one is for family moments um with the inner circle or with um friendship moments with um any other characters that come along in the book 
So, cause there's, I, even though like these books are like fantasy books or whatever, um, a lot of them are found family books and um, they have a lot of like moments where you just kind of laugh because that's something that you would say or do when you're hanging out with your friends. And I always like those moments. So that's one of my moments too. So for my YouTube people, it's very, it's very less than, um, than uh, Maggie. My spicy moments are up here. I am missing quite a few because I lost my tag um, kit halfway through the book almost. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like the scenes. That's my thing. I tabbed, I had to buy new tabs because I ran out of tabs. So I like, some of them are like, as you can see, they're like different. Some of these are like very clear ones and then these are like post-it note ones. So um, I really, yeah, I tried to keep the same colors though, but um. I am very excited for this. So do we want to kind of start it off with when the book, about two weeks before this book release, uh, Apple decided to put up a sample um, for the Apple books. Did you read that whole sample? I did not. Okay, because I I read it, but I only like went through chapter one. And then I realized like the first two chapters, the first like five chapters really are just a recap of... They are from the the bonus mm -hmm. in Frost and Starlight. So at the end of Frost and Starlight, it's like, oh, here's a sneak peek to the first couple chapters of um, the next book coming. It wasn't titled back then, but the next book coming. Yeah. And so those that first those first two chapters are basically what happens those exact first two chapters here they're a little bit different with a couple of edits and a little bit extra scenes but it's exactly that yeah so when I was like like when that like dropped I definitely thought that the first couple chapters would be different so I was really excited to start reading and then I was like I'm not missing out I'm just gonna wait till the book comes out um and I'm glad I did because I feel like I was able to actually like read it and continue reading. Whereas if I just, I would be sitting on it forever and I'd be like, oh my God, what happens next? What happens next? I need to know. Cause you know me, I'm that type of person where I need to get the next book immediately. So I can yeah. just continue reading. Like right now I'm reading the Briar U series by Ellie Kennedy and that's four books. And I'm on the fourth book I started yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> grace is like grace is for audio listeners grace is just shaking her head at me it, it, like it's a it's a thing you know but but you have to find that book i unfortunately cannot be doing that right now i've just been purely audiobooks hmm. for the past couple weeks yeah i mean you're busy all the time right now you're you're a new homeowner you're getting your house ready yeah if you get for YouTube viewers, if you look at my shirt, it's filled with paints and my arms have paint. Um, it's not because, you know, I don't know how to eat. It's because I don't know how to paint. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just get right into it. Start talking about the book. Um, so we have the first recap for about, it's the first two chapters, you would say, is the like little it's bit. The first, it's the first chapter. So the chapter. chapter begins with like Nesta, you know, for those of you who read Frost and Starlight, we start off with her like in her home and Cassie and going to go pick her up. And we, even in that moment, like you feel that tension between them that like, 
uh, what happened because of that scene in Aquawar, we had so much promise and then things didn't work out and we see her and how she's living her life and you know sleeping around and drinking and not really caring about how anyone sees her and she's summoned to um, the estate to in front of her sister and the entire inner circle and Cassian has to drag her there. Damn. Jumping right in with both of them. Yeah. I this definitely is a different approach from like when like I just read a book and it was like let somebody hit rock bottom before they can actually build up and we don't see that here it's where the inner circle interferes before she can hit I guess they could they could consider this rock bottom for her but like they kind of forced this on her which it did like inevitably like that's the whole book is she does heal and stuff but I hate, personally, I hate when people try to interfere with, like, please just let me figure it out myself, especially since she wasn't harming anyone, if you know what I mean. Like, yes, she was sleeping around, let her do what she wants. She wasn't murdering people. She wasn't, like, yes, Feyre's feelings were getting hurt. But also, I feel like Reese and, like, this inner circle have this, like, idea of like we're above you kind of thing and so we know what's right if you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so this scene where they're all kind of just ganging up on her i could like if somebody who's like spiraling and like is not not in the right place of mind not that she's like she's not in a manic episode or anything but she's just trying to deal with all of her shit for them to like come and it feels like they're attacking her like that's what she feels is like is like they're attacking her and they're trying to control her life and i like how i said how i predicted with melissa is her, she constantly thinks that everything in her life goes the opposite of what she wants it to go and i even like found like i found the like i tabbed it where she said that and i was like I told you I would I like I knew it, it was gonna happen I knew she's gonna say this and like it just bothered me a little bit that they like I'm, I'm glad they did because I think she needed that push but also it's like as like a person who has struggled with mental health issues like I hate when people try to interfere because it's like I'm trying to heal myself you just coming in creates too much like stuff in my head for me to deal with so I don't know what did you what did you think about their intervention <laughs> so um here's the thing um how do i start this so basically like you know everybody is kind of like a, of two different minds when it comes to the inner circle when it comes to reese when it comes to everybody like you have this side that like glorifies them and like sees them as like they can do no harm and they're amazing right and then you have the side that absolutely loathes them that hates them that that sees them as like tyrants and doesn't see them as anything else than people who only care about themselves right and i'm kind of in the middle yeah i okay i'm not like too far i don't hate the inner circle but i can like pinpoint like moments where like you messed up here you messed up here but i can see the good like i i agree with you i'm in the middle even though it sounds like i'm not <laughs> i'm definitely in the middle but that was just one of my nitpick moments 
It's because like when, so as I was reading, um, you know, and I got through this scene before I actually got through this scene, I saw, you know, a bunch of TikToks um, about them just not liking the inner circle anymore, hating the inner circle and like having this real big loathing for them. And so when I read through this scene, I was like, I don't see the burning hatred for them. I saw where they were coming from, but then I also saw how Nesta saw them. Like we're reading from her perspective now. We're seeing yeah. how they well, look on the outside. Yeah, we're not exactly from her perspective because it is a third point of view, which we'll get into that later, but we are seeing more of her side of the story where it feels like these people who are, she doesn't want to be a part of, like she doesn't want, like she didn't want this life. I think a lot of people forget that is that Nesta didn't want this. Nesta wanted to be human. She wanted to stay human. She wanted to get married. Like she wanted to be a prince. Like she was going to be a princess. She knew that from the moment her mom, when her mom raised her, she knew she was, she was going to be royalty. Like, but now she's Faye. She's in a life. She's in a body that she didn't choose she has a power that she's afraid of she's so scared of her own power and like to have like other people then dictate what you do with your body and what you what they deem as like bad and like from their like yes i understand that like she wasn't coping the right way as like but there's no right way to cope with things and i mean yes she could start having an addiction to alcohol and stuff but they don't really talk about alcohol addiction in this realm. I don't know if there is alcohol, if there is such thing as addiction in this world, because it's a fantasy world. Um, but it just irks me a little bit that, like, they forced her. They even, like, said that they were going to demolish. They, they're demolishing the apartment she lives yeah. in. They are, because um, the, the house that she was living in or the apartment that she was living in, it was, like, very run down and, like, uh, considered slums but not really because Valoisa didn't have slums and so it was being knocked down and converted into a housing unit for families displaced during the war, war, yeah. war. um which <laughs> I, I, I understand it's just it's just like this thing like okay like I get I get that you want it you want Nessa to move forward you want her to get moving into action and I think that that is something that Feyre has wanted from Nesta since she was human mm-hmm. yeah she wanted Nesta to step up and start doing things and she saw moments where Nesta did do that in her own way she did yeah go after she did try to go after Feyre in in Akatar. she did step up and do these things she helped out in Akawar and Feyre knows that it's in Nesta to start doing things to get up and move and to make something but she's so stuck in her own spiral that she's not capable of doing anything and Feyre is like I have no idea what to do and Reese is being himself um trying he's being controlling he's being controlling we can we can say that he's being controlling and i understand the point where he comes from is like yes his mate is suffering and so he wants to make his mate feel better so he's gonna force nessa to get on track but the fact that he has to like demolish 
her house and stuff and forcing her to go live in the house of wind like displacing her and yes i understand like great he's building houses for people who have been displaced during the war but to demolish an apartment complex i don't know how big the apartment complex is it didn't seem to be that big and and yeah what it seemed like she was the only person living there well we know in her apartment i don't know if it was underneath because they had to go upstairs she was the only one she was that's what they made it seem like a day meaning the book made it seem like that she was the only one there because she didn't no one bothered her that's true or anything about anybody coming by coming around that's true but like it still just irks me a little bit like the amount of power that reese tries to wield over nesta is what i think that that's something that you gotta remember these are kings and queens yeah you watch any political show out there you know what kind of power that they have what they need to do what they are capable of doing and you know what they should be able to do and where is that line so that i'm kind of like "Mm, mm." but then i also understand like we needed something to get the plot moving forward yeah we needed we needed nesta yes i admit like nesta needed that push nesta needed to hit rock bottom in order for her or she needed somebody to stop her from hitting rock bottom before and but the thing is we like look we like seen these first few chapters where nesta admits that she hates herself she admits that she hates her like hates the power she has she admits that she let other people die to save cassian she carries this immense amount of guilt for not helping when she was human for her father when her father died she has mm-hmm. so much guilt and i think a lot of people forget that like that lives with you and that like she's dealing with that and so kind of like spoiler for the second half of the book i'll speed that 30 seconds but she even says that like that's why she needed that break is because she needed to be with people who didn't know the pressure she was under didn't know what she went through she needed a clean slate and i think that this does help her get that clean slate when we we as like the story goes on she ends up encountering people who don't really know anything about her she's so far in the first couple chapters so far she has only been surrounded by the inner circle or other high lords from other courts who know who she is or what she is um we don't see much interaction with any of the other lesser fae or anybody outside of the the inner circle and like the hierarchy of like how the courts work so her being pushed to go up to the house of wind and her going to the being assigned to go to work being assigned to do something and giving her that exposure is going to allow her to be able to do the things as we see yeah so she ends up going up there after like this heart to heart with Feyre, which I'm glad that she was able to do. I'm glad that she was able to talk with Feyre a little bit and like. Yeah, I did I did appreciate the healing. We not only saw healing between her and Cassian, but her and Feyre's whole healing journey. And I'm glad that Feyre wasn't too much in this book. I'm glad 
that she wasn't because I feel like the last three books have been all about Feyre. Last four, because the novella that's considered a book have been about Feyre. So the fact that we like she's in the beginning and end, I think that was perfect. I yeah. really think that was good. Yeah, and I like that. Um, though you know we're we're still getting snippets of the other people in the inner circle. It's focusing on Nesta and fo- focusing on Cassian, and we get to see behind the curtain a, a little bit more. Um, so moving forward from that first oh, encounter, can I can I say something? Um, so one of the things that Nesta that from Nesta's POV, I just wanted to, this is just a quote that I really, a paragraph, I'll read it. Um, It's on page 33 and it says, it was the truth. She had no desire to return to the human realm. She had never felt at home there, not really. And this strange new fey world, she might have accepted her different altered body and now is permanently changed and her humanity gone, but she didn't know where she belonged in this world either. The thought that she was, the, the thought that, the thought was one she tried to drown in liquor and music and cards as often as she used those things to quell that writhing power deep inside. So we see that she is so lost and she doesn't know where she belongs in this world. And then we finally see her, we'll see this change throughout the book of her finding a family her getting that found sense of family so this is when she's still in um at the um what's it called on the estate in by the river um and she says um things happened to her anytime she tried to exert control she'd been thwarted at every turn she'd hated that even more than the king of highburn so we i kind of like had called this where it's she's always feeling left out she's always feeling like she doesn't belong and that everything she does is 180 so i think that's a little background that we needed for why she's spiraling and why she has all this guilt yeah. in her body in her um yeah and then like uh the the great thing about this book is that we get to see cassian's point of view which i'm so glad for because you know, he's been in the inner circle for a long time and we get to see how he interacts with them, what their real bonds look like instead of somebody from the outside who comes into the folds. And like, I really like that we were able to see his relationship with Reese and with Azrael kind of grow and kind of see how they interacted with each other. And they weren't like always like this happy-go-lucky kind of, you know, thing, but that they they were really brothers and you know like sometimes with siblings you got to check the fuck out of each other like you don't like Like, sometimes it's like no this is not what we're doing you need to you fucked up this is not how you do it and though that there is the dynamic of like you know Reese being in charge and Cassian and Azrael being lesser than him the fact that they're able to talk to Reese and tell him things and like you know yes they'll they won't cross certain lines they know what their boundaries are but they're able to kind of like have like a fun relationship and laugh about each other and joke around and have those moments of just like being guys and that's something that like is my favorite thing about books is I love bro moments that's what I call them I love bro moments all right so like switching to like a lighter topic from like you know all the heavy stuff 
because this book has a lot of like funny, cute moments and not just cute moments either. (laughs) Really funny to me, like really early on was like when like Nesta and Feyre are inside talking and then like Cassian and Feyre, I mean, Cassian and Reese are outside and they're laughing or whatever. And, you know, like Reese is kind of mad at, at, no, Cassian is mad at Reese a little bit for like little things that he said or did. And they're outside talking and I gotta read it to you because it's funny. It, it was like the first part that kind of made me laugh and that's important. So he's like, oh, like you have to be on your, Reese is telling him you have to be on your guard. And he's like, you sound like you're afraid of her. And Reese says, I am. He's like, why do you think I sent you to go get her this morning? And then he says, you know, trying to like shake off the mood. He says, you need to get out of the, get out in the practice ring more brother. Don't want that mate of yours to find any soft bits. She never finds any soft bits when I'm around her. And I'm sorry, but just like that moment is between them. It's just like, that's such a guy moment. And I love that. I love that we got to see their playful, like, you know, joking around and them seeing each other and loving each other. Cause I thought that was really good. Cassie, I, I wanted more of that from Cassie and I'm glad I got it. We see more of their bro moments, but we also see more when they're starting to check Reese. Like they're starting okay. to like check Reese. They're like, like Cassian starts to defend Nesta when like we see we do see Nesta progressing and stuff and Cassian checks him and he's like no dude like stop being so fucking biased and look like stop being so coming from this point of view that Nesta is a monster and I think that also plays into Nesta's psyche about what she thinks about herself is this her basically her like the king because Reese is like, the high lords are basically just kings, really, but they call them high lords. They're kings, okay? And Reese is the most. They're, they're kings in our world. Yeah. Like, that's how we can connect them to what they would be. You know, they're, they're, they have a realm to protect, they have like land that they're in charge of, they have, you know, they have castles, they have, they have, they have crowns, they have everything. Like, they're the highest order in their land. They're basically kings. They're basically kings. And so the fact that he also, sorry, my cap just fell from my lip gloss. Um, the fact that he is like, thinks she's this horrible human being, like horrible fae, cause she's fae now, she's high fae now. Like the fact that if you were constantly thinking, like getting told that you're like, or getting looks and getting, they just really look down on her. So I also, I'm getting back to the dark moments. Sorry. I know, I know. But it's like, but the fact that Cassian, Cassian starts to check that. Cassian's like, no, 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 you can't do that anymore, Reese. I think that's important. Um, And then we kind of see them now going up to the House of Wind, because. The House of Wind, it was um, a great setting for me. personally I really liked it and I'll talk about it more as we like go on in the story but we go up there and like we have we finally get to one of the scenes that was one of our teasers um, page 46 posted they get to the house of wind and like Cassian's there and he's like oh you know your room will be the same and 
my room is one level below. And she's like, why do I need to know that? And then he says that one line that says like, um, in case uh, you need me, you have any nightmares and I need to come up and... Uh, in case you have a bad dream and need someone to read you a story, he drawled, a half-smile dancing on his face. Maybe one of those smutty books you like so much. And I just... <laughs> that was my first orange tab. I was like, honey, Cassian, I just love you. Gosh, yes. And, like, I'm so happy that we're getting more of these, like, little, like, innuendos and these little, like smirking comments because that's like mm, that's really what gets me and makes me fall in love with somebody which is why Cassian is like my top boyfriend I'm sorry excuse me he is my husband because of these like little things that he does and I love him I absolutely love him hate him sometimes but I love him and so like yeah we got that first line and then um later on throughout the day the, they end up going to get breakfast or eating their first meal and she doesn't want to eat the next and, day yeah yeah and Cassian's like no you need to eat and he starts saying you're, you're gonna need you're gonna start training you're gonna need to eat this you need to keep your body on on uh, up to like its highest peak and the fact that he starts like giving her advice like, nutritional, nutritional advice I was like such a bro moment it is a ultimate bro moment to start giving her workout and nutritional advice it is the literal embodiment of a gym bro like cassian is a gym bro and hey i'm okay with that because i was like damn it like and i literally felt like he was talking to me because i was just like damn cassian i know i know i gotta do these things i gotta <laughs> get back out there gotta be fit again because like if you guys didn't know I'm like uh I, I was like a, an athlete all throughout like my childhood and you know so I know all of these things about like food and your body and all of these all those that stuff and so when he was when he was telling her all of these things I was just like oh my gosh like I feel like I have said these things to people I have had these conversations with people about like, you got to eat right. You got to eat balance. You got to, you know, it's not about like how much you eat. It's about what you eat, what you put in your body and things like that. And I was just like, Cassian, I see you. I see you. And I just appreciated that because I thought that was so like realistic. Because mm -hmm. in a fan world, where are you going to hear them talking about you need to eat your vegetables and you need to load up on the proper food groups so that you don't burn into your energy too fast like where do you hear that in the fantasy world right yeah no I really appreciated it and I appreciated like the fact I did I did prefer now after reading the book I did prefer the setting of house of wind I because we see now relationship that the house's relationship with Nesta now we also see that where Nesta brings the house to life we see yeah. that her presence starts to bring the house to life and she creates a friend. She has a friend now, which is the house. And we see that they go to the camp, uh, the Illyrian camp. Before that, I have an orange tab. Oh, which one? It's literally right after that, like eating healthy 
page 65 where she says she's getting mad at him she's like i don't have to do what you want this is nothing this is not you know and cassian calls her out and he's just like you know not eating is not going to bring your father back and that strikes a chord with her because he knows he sees what bothers her but then like she's like you don't know anything keep your fucking opinions to yourself and like he blinks back at that and he's like who taught you how to curse and then she says you like you guys have the filthiest mouths i ever heard and he like narrows his eyes and he says, I'll keep my fucking opinions to myself if you eat. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, daddy. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, papi. I'll do that. You okay? <laughs> no, yeah. I like the banter between the two of them because they it's oh. that it's that banter where they both have such like sorry for like this is gonna be an 18 plus episode but like the sexual attraction really? and chemistry between the two of them is so high that it makes the banter that much better because they both won't admit their feelings for each other but they also will make those sexual comments towards each other. They have already, they have already admitted that they have attraction for each other, but that they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. He, he showed her hand at, in Akawar. He showed his hand multiple times, but then also did some other stupid shit. They know that they like each other. They have that attraction for each other. They know it but they're not gonna do anything about it. And that's the part that's just like, fuck, come on. Um, and then another orange tab, literally the next page over. Um, she says, if you think this training nonsense is going to result in you climbing into my bed, you're delusional. Oh. I'd let a mangy street dog, uh, let in a mangy street dog. He says, oh, it's not going to result in me climbing into your bed. You'll climb into mine. I I had to close it and be like. Because she does. <laughs> she does. It's so funny because it's so accurate. Because Cassian, Cassian admits, Cassian is like, yeah, I'm attracted to her. But he's he 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 knows that she's not gonna admit that she's attracted to him, and he knows that she's in denial. So he's like, no you're gonna be the one who comes to me like i was like fuck when let me go how do i volunteer volunteer <laughs> oh my gosh um moving on so we see she gets into her illyrian leathers and cassian like ah Okay, and that's something else about like his point of view is just like you see how he sees her. Like, yes, you see how he sees her, her strength, her resilience, her like her loss and her her pain and all of these things. But then you get to see all of the wicked things he thinks about. And I'm just like, fuck. You are Cassian's point of views always had my toes curling. Oh. Like, 
I know people hate that, like, when they write, like, your toes curled, but, like, that's true. Like, or, like, you squeeze your thighs together. Like, that's so true. And I read some of, like, I've read these scenes and I'm like, oh. Like, for book club, we had the Azriel point of view. And I had to read Azriel's thoughts out loud. But my, I, I had, I don't know how I was able to do that with our book club. Like it's something about like reading the male's point of view that's just like it feels empowering. That's what it is. It feels empowering to know that. Because like to know that the, that you as a woman could make a man feel like that, like damn, <laughs> I yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I asked Carly to leave the room so we could talk about this. I literally told her, I was like, hey, can I have the room from 8 to 10? And she's like, why? And I just said her like a smirking face. Man, because like, look at how he says, how he says it. Like he stayed away from her for months. This is on page 69. Okay. <laughs> um, he, he said, uh, Nesta emerged, her hair braided and now coiled across her, the crown of her head like a woven tiara. He made a point not to look beneath her neck at the body left on display. She needed to gain back the weight she'd lost and packed on muscle, but those fucking leathers. Fuck! And that's it! That's and he has to it. hold himself. He's like, let's go. His voice his voice rough and cold thank the cauldron for that like he knows how his voice would sound and he's like thankful that he was able to keep calm oh my gosh like okay moving forward so she ends up going um to the the Illyrian camps to train more is the one to winnow them there and we very rarely see more throughout this because she's doing other stuff and I'm kind of glad that we didn't get too much of more because I felt like her story, her part within the inner circle, she was always off doing something else. Like she's always in Hume City. She's she's basically the one managing everything else. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't see her too much in this book because she wasn't really needed. Yeah. And I also feel like that, like a lot of people wanted the conflict between more Nesta and Cassian but I think it was better for them to heal like without her in the picture so that Nesta wouldn't have felt threatened the entire time or like think like even in the moments that she saw more there she didn't even really think twice about her like and I think that's because like more was gone so much that she kind of forgot about more and Cassian and she was able just to focus on Cassian versus if more had been there that entire time I don't think she would have opened up to Cassian as much because Cassian even yeah. like backtracking a little bit to when he goes um like the first night he leaves Nesta there and he goes to meet more at the cafe and he even talks about how beautiful more is and stuff and we see that point of view but then we also see how he treats her like a sister and yeah and his like, thought process around her like yeah he acknowledges how amazing she is and the radiance that she has but he also acknowledged like the way that he thinks about her is not that he wants after her he acknowledges he doesn't lust for her doesn't and like I was really glad that we were able to see that in his thought process because like before we would always get like this 
does he still think about more? Does he still want her? Does he, he like, he's pushing Nesta away and going towards more? Like, what is that? And in these interactions where we saw more, you saw how Cassian was protective of her as a sister, as like somebody who became one of his best friends, his one entrusted confidant who they happened to have had this one thing happen. Yeah, and it was more of like a, for like both of them, it wasn't like a emotional thing that happened. Yeah. It was a very, for Cassian it was a sexual attraction and then for more, it was a way of getting out of her life. Yeah. And so I think that's how we have to, sorry, I'm gonna grab something. I um, think that's how we have to remember it. Um, but yeah, so kind of flipping back, we see now them going to Windhaven is what it's called, the Illyrian camps. And we see each time Nesta, the first time Nesta goes and she refuses to train, um, they draw a crowd and then Cassian does his thing and Nesta is starstruck. She watches him do his thing and she's just drooling. Granted, she sits there spine straight and doesn't move. Like she, she looks utterly unfazed, but inside she's just, huh and she's looking at him and she's not able she cannot take her eyes off of him and she is just like i'm not gonna do it um she will not she will not get up and throughout all of this like he she knows that devlin and the rest of the warlords are there looking at him and seeing that she is not bounding not like not bowing down to him, but just like listening to him, to what he's saying. And he's supposed to be the general. He's supposed to be the one whose command is supposed to carry weight and it doesn't with her. And that was like a big thing. And, and she, he, knew, she knew that it was a big yeah. thing. And, but I also, we come to realize that later it's because she didn't want to make herself in that vulnerable position for people to see how how bad she was at training because obviously she's her body is lacking nutrition she's she's never trained before so she's embarrassed and in her embarrassment she kind of takes it out on Cassian and she doesn't tell him she doesn't want to go she doesn't tell him she's not she doesn't want to be in front of people while she trains she just straight out refuses to train and kind of hurts him a little bit in the process and yeah it kind of does a little damage to his ego but also does damage to his relationship with the other Illyrians in the fact that he needs especially when it comes to them he needs to have that upper hand and he needs to be he needs to be viewed as superior because that's the only way they're going to listen to him is if others view him as superior and nesta especially being a woman not backing down from him really holds weight with the illyrians because they think she's a witch they think she's evil incarnate and her not bowing down to cassian shows a lot mm -hmm. and i think that also like that's something she knew would happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so then she ends up not getting up and more ends up coming there and more kind of ends up telling her like, you know what, I knew so many people like you and you don't deserve like- That was like the second day, right? That was the first day. Oh, that was the first day? Um, yeah. She says like, um, you never deserve the benefit of the doubt that good people like him give you. And she, 
accepted that. Like Nesta was just like, I know I don't. Yeah. And she just like lets it go. And then um, later on, she ends up having like these flashbacks of like, of like Cassian and Akawar trailing after her and clawing after her and seeing her and that fear on his face that she was never gonna like, that she was gonna die and he was trying to protect her. And she has these flashbacks often. Like from the Highburn. Yeah. Flashbacks a lot to when everything went down in Akamath and yeah. the ending of Akamath where she is put in the cauldron and you see Cassian losing himself and like trying to protect her and her sister and mm-hmm. even him lo- like his wings and stuff and he's still trying to protect her and so we see that she finally like the training ends and she finally still doesn't do anything and he takes her he's angry he's angry so he drops her off at the library and leaves he's because i i feel for cassian in that moment where you like woman just do it like just do it but i also understand where she doesn't want to feel embarrassed she doesn't want the men at windhaven to view her as this someone who can fail yeah somebody who can fail she's she's scared of failing and i think that's a very major thing in this book is she's scared of failure but we see her starting starting to turn around and overcome that and pushing back a little yeah um and then we see her going to her first job, so her first shift. So she ends up going to the library and we end up seeing Clotho again. And I just gotta say this, that Feyre knew what she was doing in this, giving Nesta access to the library. Like Feyre, yeah, you know, you can come at her and say like, oh, it wasn't her right to like- Feyre and Reese knew what they were doing when they sent her to work at the library. Yeah. Like, yeah, they wanted her to get up off of her ass, quote unquote, or whatever, however they might put it. But they also didn't want her to feel completely out of her element. And they get to the library and the library becomes and ends up becoming like a significant part of like Nesta's whole journey. Yeah, Yeah, it's constant for her. It's a constant that also it's also the the point behind the library for survivors to go female survivors of SA to go there to heal and all to heal in their own way we have some girls who don't speak we have I mean women who don't speak and stuff and we finally see women who make friends and up comes Gwen who I think is my newest favorite character is Gwen yeah um I don't think we meet her in the first one, but when we do meet Gwen, it's very easy and very simple. And it's something that throws Nesta off and kind of takes her for a loop. Yeah. And I think that's, I think Gwen's personality is something that Nesta needed where Gwen, yes, she's out there, but she's not overly out there. Like she, Gwen is that mix of like an introverted extrovert leaning more towards on the extrovert side, but she's not that far out there because she has dealt with her trauma and stuff. So like we see Gwen open up to Nesta and Nesta beginning to open up to Gwen. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important that we see um, Nesta starting 
throughout the whole thing is starting to open up to Gwen. And then later we meet um, Emery when she goes to the shop to ask for warmer leathers. Um, and I and I don't know if anybody else who caught this, but when she was talking about payment, she didn't even try oh. to ask Reese or Farah to help pay for new material. She yeah. And that was like a, a, a sense of like pride from her because she's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to yeah. ask to help me. I'm not going to ask them to do this because they're, they're going to say no. That was her thought. Like they're going to yeah. say no, but I'm, I don't, I want to give them the satisfaction of them seeing me ask them for something. Yeah. And I, but I also think it was an important moment where that's her finally breaking away because we see that throughout the year she is using Reese and Feyre's money and stuff. And it, 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 it embarrasses them a little bit that their her sister uses their money. Yes. For lewd things you could say like drinking and gambling and stuff, but, and the fact that she doesn't ask either, because I bet if she asked, they would have like given her an allowance or something if she had used it, but. Well, she did have an allowance. Did she though? Like, they she paid an open tab and everything that basically she did like for yeah. everybody circle she has an allowance and she but had, they never cut her off i think if if she had like an allowance that like a monthly allowance like this is how much you could spend i feel like that would be a better thing for helping her heal and stuff and instead of letting her go on these benders and stuff and spending this much money is like you have this much money to spend i feel like that also could have helped her as well if they had done yeah. that sooner is that they start capping her off i think yeah. if they and start- that's how you that's one way that uh, um people deal with um addicts yeah is, um, they give them only money for essential products and essential things that they need and um that was kind of a way that you could have done with it but i think they felt like she should have enough control of herself, but then they saw that she doesn't. So then they were just like, nope, that's not going to work. So we're just going to cut you off completely and you need to start shaping up. But that's going back to the what we yeah, just- So that's, but uh, going back to, so we see her starting, we see them go a couple times to Winhaven and her not training until finally Feyre tells Cassian, like she- Oh, wait, 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 before we get there. I do want to kind of jump into Cassian for a bit. Yeah. Because we have, we, I know we're focusing a lot on Nesta, but I, we got to give some- It is a very, it's, it's a very character-driven book. There's a, there's a subplot, yes, with the Band of Exiles and the, the Queen and stuff, but it is a very character-driven book. And I think a lot of people were talking about how the book was very slow, and there wasn't a lot that happened, but most of the stuff that happens is between Nesta and Cassian. And this is a versus like in um, Akamath and like Akawar. It's a very plot driven. Uh, the first three books are very plot driven. This is a very character book where even Sarah says it's Nesta, Nesta and Cassian. It's a Nessian book. Like it is not, I feel like it's more of that like middle book that we always talk about, like the dragged on middle book that this is like a character book that needs, we needed that development of Nesta and Cassian's relationship and we didn't need a lot of plot behind it, but there is still that subplot that's there that helps guide the book forward. Yeah, and kind of jumping right into that that plot that we're kind of going for, um, we get uh, Cassian going, to, uh, so this is after the first time that they go to train um, 
Nesta is left at the house and Cassian and more go to the human lands. And we get Cassian kind of stepping out of his role as like the commander of the armies and kind of going into the politics of it. And he ends up meeting Jurian, Vasa and Lucian. And I'm kind of, I'm happy that we were able to see them. I missed Lucian a lot. Um, I, I, he was always one of my favorite characters and the fact that he didn't get too much of storyline, you know, as the story developed in Akawar and Akomath, I got why we, we needed to step away from him, but I'm kind of happy that he's still part of the world and that we're going to get more of him as the series goes on. But okay, so they end up meeting and Eris is there and People have mixed feelings on Eris. I was pleasantly happy with how his plot or his role, his role in this story went. Cause I was just like, I knew it. I called it. I saw it. And the, he says a couple of things that I was just like, yes, that's exactly what it is. And when we were talking with Beth, um, she mentioned it because like, you know, they have that whole thing and then we bring up Kostier and like how um, magic is being wielded again. And then we have this thing about looking for the trove. So we get our first chunk of storyline that we're going to, but then we have this whole scene after, after they step outside and it's with Eris and Cassian and they're just going at each other and kind of like picking at each other and Cassian's like questioning him like what's your point why are you helping us why do you why are you lying to your dad but then you're also helping us undercover like what what's your motive you know and then he ends up saying exactly like what I've pictured and he's like I only wish to defend the autumn court against its enemies and he's just like why would i work with you on this because we're allies and he starts telling him like you know we i don't think your high lord wants me to go behind his back and try to find other people so let me just do this and don't ask too many questions and then he says one thing that as soon as he said this i he says, stick to fighting battles, general, leave the ruling to those capable of playing the game. And as soon as I read that line, it was, it's at the bottom of page 94. As soon as I read that line, I was like, fuck you, Eris. Because Eris has like this huge thing about nitpicking at Cassian, about always calling him a bastard, a brute, that he doesn't know any better, that he can't comprehend these bigger things at play. He doesn't know anything about politics or whatever. And he's always nitpicking at him and he's always hating at him. And Cassian takes it, you know, he's just like, you know what, people seem like that, that's how it is. Even though Eris does get to him. And especially that whole thing between Moore and Cassian and Eris, he uses that against him to try to get under his skin. And as soon as he said that, man, I was so mad, but not too mad to where I hate him. I just very much was just like, you didn't need to go that far. But yes, um, moving forward, uh, we see Nesta back at the House of Wind and she is struggling to try and get wine for a dinner. 
And the house is like, nope, no, you cannot have wine. You can have water and that's it. And she ends up having a breakdown. And that's the first time that she goes to the stairs. Yeah. Where even the house like knows like this is not good for you. Mm-hmm. We're cut like I'm cutting you off. I think that's very important. And we kind of see like um we kind of see this development of like we see this development within Cassian of him he always like taunts Nesta with the fact that he's like a bastard and stuff. But Nesta oh. Nesta doesn't really like Nesta doesn't think of him like that I think we've noticed that like he thinks that Nesta thinks that and that's always the dumb I always mark those as dumb bitch moments is like well because she has said that much to him yeah that's true that's true but then like after like spending a little bit of time with him she stopped saying those things yeah she said those things the first few times that she met him Mm mm-hmm and then after that, after Wings and Embers, she stopped saying that. Yeah. But he still is just like, I know that you think that way. And in her inner monologue, she's like, but I don't. Yeah. Um, stairs? Stairs, yep. Do you want to talk about the stairs? Yeah, so that's gonna, we're at chapter eight now and we're kind of going into, this is her first time breaking for it. She ends up going down the stairs and it's 10,000 steps. That's a lot of steps. Like you think that's not that much, it is, right? And so she starts going down and she's like thinking this darkness is threatening to swallow her. And anybody who's had like panic attacks knows that feeling of like that thought spiral just taking you down and you just not being able to stop and not being able to like break away from it and I thought it was really interesting of like what she ended up doing to stop it she is like going through all of these thoughts of like the hybrid killing her father the snap of his neck of the cauldron swallowing her down and all these things are just dragging her down and she ends up attacking the steps and she starts going down them and she starts counting them and she ends up going down and down and down and these thoughts keep going at her. And then she stops and then she ends up going right back up because she's just like, I can't. Her body can't take it. Her body can't take the fact, like she goes less than a hundred steps, I think, and her body can't take it. Yeah, she takes, um, she goes up to about 100 steps. That's where we stop counting. But then that she's going around and around and she keeps going down. And then she decides, okay, her legs couldn't take it anymore. And she didn't get mad at, she didn't get mad at the defeat that she might've felt, but she went upwards and she went all the way up. And all this sweat is going down on her and she's just like, I'm Faye and I still can't get past this thing. And I just want to pause here on a second. Like during those moments, because I have panic attacks often and the way that I'm, I kind of opened up with my mom about it um, a little while ago was like, you know, when I get these things is like these thoughts just keep dragging me down and I just can't stop it. And so like, it's either... I figure out a way to stop it really early on or I have to do something to physically shut my body out of it and um, trigger warning for like you know any kind of like 
I guess we could say um, self-harm, but it's not that bad. It's not harmful. It is for other people. Um, Just trigger warning for mental health issues and that, yeah. So anxiety. Yes, for anxiety. So when I get into these panic attacks and I can't think, I can't do anything besides that one train of thought, like I'll start shaking and I'll start like, I can't breathe and I will start crying. And crying usually helps with it because like it's like a physical shock that I'm doing. And then sometimes it's going even further than that to the point where I get so nauseous of like all of my anxiety just pitting into my stomach that it'll make me sick. And usually after being sick, after throwing up, I'll be fine. Cause that physical shock of like doing something um, usually shops me out of it. And so my mom has been picking up on it easier more than anybody else in my family. And she'll see when I'm getting into those and she'll tell me to do something for her or like help tell me to like help her out with something, tell me to like clean up this or to go walk the dogs or to go do something physically so that I can stop that thought process. And I love my mom so much for that. Um, But this scene of her going down the steps reminded me so much of like how I deal with it where like it became like a constant thing for her like anytime she felt like those thoughts coming back up to her she would go and attack those stairs and it's something about like um it's a distraction it's a distraction for her for her not to think about her it for her to to solely think about her body and each of those steps yeah and in doing that like you know like people are always talking about like you know working out is a great way to get your mind off of things but it has also like a chemical reaction in your own body because when you go to work out and those endorphins that you end up feeling they end up boosting up your emotions a lot and you know like you like for um a lot of people with depression working out helps because those endorphins that you end up getting through working out, through doing physical activities, through making yourself work, end up helping out. Like I know, I've seen a lot of people where like, they're like in a depressive episode, like before. Um, Again, this doesn't work for everybody. Everybody's different, but they'll be feeling so shitty Mm -hmm. and they'll go to work out. And then like they're the after workout glow really brings them out and like this was like so realistic for me mm-hmm. and we yeah I, I I get that too and we also see how that training also helps is having her train her body every day for two hours like it helps her not think about other things she's able to release all the tension from her body to release that guilt a little bit and to tuck it away um for some time and i think it was smart for for them to to tell her she needs to train and she needs to to do something something physical because i feel like that's a very common thing for people to say is like 
helping your like being active and stuff does help you like yes you can still that's not saying you can be the most active like there are people who are very struggle with trigger warning like body body dysmorphia and stuff and they are actively working out and stuff there is there's that time when it becomes too far but like there is that healthy amount of training and stuff that it allows for those endorphins to just allow you it allows you that break in the day of not having to think about anything else yeah and you know it's always that thing of finding a balance so yeah. there's a extreme but then also that good mm-hmm. so kind of speeding throughout the book now we're uh, we end up getting our first glimpse at, at Azrael. he's staying up in the house of wind and we get that peak with him um which is on page 101 of like um him eating breakfast with them and asking how's training and he ends up telling her like I hope you're not giving my brother a hard time and she puts down her teacup and says is that a threat shadow singer and he says I don't need to resort to threats (sighs) (laughs) Azriel is the worst chaperone ever (laughs) we've seen all of those memes of it I like the cat meme that you sent of Azriel is the cat looking out the window and there's Nesta and Cassian and then it's two other cats banging. It's just oh it's okay, so like true. when this episode airs, I'm gonna post the memes on the story because you guys have to see them, they're so funny. And like honestly, Azriel's presence throughout all of this has really like I before I just was kind of like eh you know he's there he's not he didn't say much he's okay you know he's interesting he's not somebody that I'm drawn to but I do he's funny he was funny throughout any time that he opened up his mouth he was always he's funny to me and the fact that he's up there to chaperone just kills me because literally the first scene of him up there with them eating breakfast with them like she's like I want to train with, with him with Azrael and I just gotta say that both Archeron sisters are stupid as hell because they both are just like I want I want to go with Azrael I'll fly with Azrael I want to learn how to fly from him I want to train with him and do not realize they think Azriel's the easy one they think because he's like this this like quiet guy they think that he's gonna be going easy on them and we know Azriel fu- pushed <laughs> he, he just let her fall like Nesta really was I think I think it was the sexual attraction I think Nesta was like literally because like she said like that he was the prettiest out of all of that. Like she literally admitted that Azriel was the prettiest. And I'm like, let's just clarify that for everybody listening. Azriel is the classically beautiful of the three. Reese, you know, he has his smoldering look and Cassian is that rugged, handsome guy that you see with like kind of like the scruff on his face which is more my type but Azrael is that like he looks like he's fit to be carved from stone marble and put in the Getty Museum amongst like all the other gods and goddesses he looks beautiful and I won't I won't I won't take that away from him but let me get to this orange tab that's right after that he says um 
he Cassian boats her into like trying to get up from all of the work that she did from getting up from the stairs and she finally ends up standing up pushing herself off of the table and Cassian says doesn't count when you use your hands to do most of the work I bet that isn't what you've been telling yourself at night and Azrael's shoulders shook with silent laughter as Cassian set down his fork eyes gleaming with challenge. Cassian's voice dropped an octave. Is that what those smutty books teach you? That it's only at night? It could be any time, dawn's first light, or when I'm bathing, or even after a long, hard day of practice. And she didn't mean the slight emphasis he put on long and hard. Grace and I have had a conversation about this. We've had a conversation about sizing. Um, we've talked about it and we, Cassian, just thinking about it makes me blush. I'm just like, Cassian says these things and like, it's, it's, it's I told you, it's that banter between the two the sexual banter between the two that makes this book really good. For those of you who are not watching, I am literally fanning myself because of all the little things that he says. Cause, and Azriel knows this and he's laughing at them and he has this, like, you know, we have this cute moment between them two and Azriel ends up telling him like after Nesta leaves, you're in deep shit. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And then we get, like the one time that like Nesta finally addressed him by name, right? And he's just like trying to breathe and he's trying to calm down. And Azrael's just there eating his breakfast. And then Azrael finally says, you two need a chaperone up here. He says, I thought you were the chaperone. And he said, Azrael goes, I'm not entirely sure I'm enough. He knew, he's just like, I'm, I'm not, capable of this. There's too much tension going out here. Too much. Okay, moving forward, because we want to get to the actual spicy moments. These are just banter moments. Yeah. So we're going to start speeding through most of these things. A lot of it is like training and stuff and her in the library. Um, her just... We do get to meet Emery now. Yeah, we, Emery... Which we, you talked about already. Yeah, we've seen we now we now see her starting to train, and now she's starting to become comfortable in the library. And so she starts she offers to train other girls, and we see her leaving a sign up sheet, and nobody signs up, and she wants Emery to join too. And so she sends Emery a gift um, of tea, um, mm -hmm. and that gets Emery to come <laughs> finally. And we finally see um, we don't see it just yet, but just kind of like skimming through before we get to these spicy scenes we see them starting to all uh at least emery and gwen start training with first gwen and then emery start to and train like, with nesta and cassian and through these like these things of like nesta starting to open up at the library with gwen and like before like, like the, the them coming to train the house also starts opening up to her and i gotta say the house ended up being one of my favorite characters of the book because yeah. like the first thing that the house does to like be nice to her is bring her chocolate cake. 
And Nesta finds herself starting to talk with the house. And, you know, like, is this Cassian approved? And um, he says, it certainly isn't. And he's just like, but just go ahead and eat it. And then he starts like asking, like, are you actually talking to the house? And then he's just, she's just like, yeah, like, don't you? And he's just like, no. Well, it's just not the house doesn't really talk back to anybody and so we get that first thing of like it only talks to her and that was like a cute moment for it and then she says he says one more thing that he ends up taking the cake from her and she's like oh that's supposed to be mine and he's like oh then take it from me and I was just like dude don't even yeah even because I will whatever so then we're moving forward and we're getting all of these things we see these small moments of them we see these small sexual banter moments until we finally get a good scene we finally get a good scene on 182 is what I'm talking about (laughs) is the one where they he this this is one of the spoilers that Moss and I'll read it for you where this just made me oh, he said um, Nesta didn't couldn't move as Cassian leaned to whisper in her ear the first time I saw you I saw that look on your face you were still human still human and I nearly went to my knees before you his breath caressed the shell of her ear and she couldn't stop her eyes from fluttering shut his smile brushed against her temple. Your power is a song, and I've waited a very, very long time to hear, Nesta. And then it kind of goes <laughs> into more, and that scene just... Okay, and then I gotta read the line that he says. Do you know what I'm going to think of tonight? I'm going to think of that look on your face. I'm always thinking of that look on your face. To know that a man thinks about you. Wow. And then what she does after that, later that night, what they both do while thinking about each other. Okay. And she's thinking about this and it's just like taking it over. And it's so funny because she ends up, you know, you know, and then she ends up telling the house like, look away she like tells the house to like not look at her and that she she says come back at dawn and it goes and then she ends up you know you know what we get and then like we get the next chapter literally right after that and he they end up coming to breakfast and she's there before they both can't look at each other can't look at each other and they're reading the book and she's reading a book and he's just like oh so what are you reading and she says, a romance. And he goes, I gathered that. What is this one about? And she quickly looks away and she's blushing. And like, she just like looks up at him and then like intense heated gaze. And she can't think of anything, but they can't just start think- picturing each other. And like, he like shifts a little bit. And she goes like, training they had training um 
the book is about a, a book. A, a book. And, and I he doesn't see even it. catch that. He doesn't even catch that. Like I, I noticed somebody said something about that. Like he didn't even say anything about that. Like nowhere else is it mentioned. He's like interesting. Uh, sounds great. And he just leaves. He leaves because it's just like too much. Because he literally gets up and just like I gotta get out of here. I'll see you there. And then leaves. And she literally like is thinking to herself later, the book is about a book. And she just like cups and like, I'm just like, isn't that every book reader ever reading a slutty book? Yeah. And literally thinking later on, like, did I just fucking say that it's about a book? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so funny to me. Okay. Moving forward. She's finally agreeing to train, right? Yeah. Doing all of this work. And then she's doing things little by little. And while they're learning, while they're training, they're also talking. And he's end up sharing things about Rami L and about the blood, right? Foreshadowing. And, yeah, you know, foreshadowing about what's coming and about training the women and how, you know, things we, how they were trying to move things forward, but they just wouldn't, right? And this is where she gets the idea about like, you know, bringing up the women with her. And he, she ends up sharing the idea with Cassian. And I feel like this was an important moment before anybody comes into the circle with them. But he ends up telling her like, I like this idea. I like it a lot. And that meant so much to her because like it showed like, these things that she wants to do, they're worth doing and they're not seen as something terrible. He's not, he's not shooting her down. Yeah. And I really, really liked that about him. Um, okay. So then we have Elaine comes to visit. Mm-hmm. And I have very strong feelings about Elaine. Now. We both have very strong feelings about Elaine. Do you want to go first? No, because my scenes, my the reasons why I really don't like Elaine, I don't like Elaine now, are because of things that happen after. Oh book. yeah, I mean, I didn't really like Elaine because I feel like, well, I didn't really not like her until Asriel's point of view, but I just felt that she was just so unnecessarily and she was always there at like the worst moments and so that's why I, I just never really liked like I didn't not like her I didn't hate her but I didn't I just didn't not like her and so I just didn't like her is what I'm gonna say not because I hated her or anything it's just I didn't know much we don't know much about Elaine and in this moment we see Elaine talk about even her struggles that we went she went through and she does kind of check um nesta here and i think i marked it but um elaine talks about elaine says this very crucial thing um no this isn't oh i'm i'm way too far ahead i'm sorry okay well just to sum up like this scene between elaine and nesta like we see that Nessa like really is not holding back anymore. And she's just going to tell Elaine how it is. And I'm so glad at her that she's doing it because everybody tiptoes around Elaine. And that's not how 
I would want to be treated, be everyone tiptoeing around me, but then I also wouldn't want to have to do that for somebody else. Like she needs to grow up. She needs to get like become a little more real world awakening that Nessa ends up just telling her like, dude, I'm fucking like what you're doing. You, you go around, you're like a little dog chasing around whoever ends up giving you like a little snack. And I was just like, yes, because we do not like her. We, we don't like that Elaine is basically just piggybacking off of anybody who comes around. And Elaine ends up getting, you know, butthurt, leaves and Reese and Cassian are, you know, talking about it. And um, he's just like, Reese ends up getting so mad because like, you know, people become protective of Elaine because, you know, she's demure and she's soft and she's has like this naive view of the world. And yeah, when you encounter somebody like that, you do become protective of them. But at the same time, I'm so happy that Cassian was just like, no, Nessa's making progress. Like she's doing good. Maybe no more visits from her sister because he knows that that's triggering for her. Yeah. I think that's also an important moment is we we see Cassian noticing these things about Nesta and he's he's defending her behind her back. He's not doing it in front of her. So she doesn't know about that. She yeah. doesn't know what he says to Reese and stuff. And I think that's very important because even when she's not looking, he's still protecting her. Yeah. And then like literally after Reese ends up taking off, Cassian goes like, not only does he defend her in front of other people, but then he goes up to her and he's just like, talk to me, what happened? And we see that first scene of like her trying to turn on the fire and like the house listening to Cassian of her saying, no, no fire, but Cassian saying, turn on the fire and it not going out. And he sees her flinch for the first time, doesn't know why, but he notices it. And then we'll end up seeing later on how that ends up playing out. But I'm trying to move forward because I wanted to get to a couple spicy scenes before we get there. Yeah. So we see her continuing to go up and down the stairs often. We see her trying to train and to move forward, right? She's doing it little by little. She's opening up to him, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't let up with like the banter with him. She ends up giving in a little bit, but also holding back. And then we finally get that scene where Cassian ends up telling her, everything that he did his story basically of what happened to the camp where his mother was and how he destroyed them and how he holds that weight that guilt with him because he knows that she holds on to that guilt of saving him and he she ends up getting mad and saying like that she hates resent and he's just like look look don't talk about him like that don't don't shit on him. And he's like, I, she's like, I talk about him like that. I can hate him and everything. And he's just like, no, don't talk about him. And we see that first moment of him trying to defend Reese. So Cassian does this thing of like, he's being that middle ground between the two. He's checking Reese, but then he's also checking Nessa. Like, you can't go that far. Reese, don't go that far. And I love him for that. I really do. Okay, moving forward. Now, right there, after he defends Reese, right? She said, he gra she's grabbing his arm. He's grabbing her arms as she's trying to walk away. And he's like, no, um, you're an arrogant bastard. And he, he says, you're a haughty witch. We're evenly matched. 
and she says let go and he snorts and obeys and lets her go and he's trying to walk away and she grabs him and kisses him and it's so hot because it's so angry and so I'm just, let me take a minute. Okay. They start kissing each other and he ends up pressing her against the wall and he ends up, you know, doing all of these things and they're hearing each other and they're just, he just starts saying these things and feeling her and touching her and I'm just like, It's really just like, yes, finally. It's one of those finally moments, right? And then she finally ends up grabbing him. And can we appreciate that we didn't get the considerable length? I literally was talking about this. I literally told you how I was talking about this, how Feyre mentions a considerable length and Nesta just outright says it. And I think that goes to, I think that talks about their, their, I just think it, it it goes to show how comfortable each of them are about talking about that kind of stuff. Whereas Feyre is like, oh, a considerable length because she doesn't really, she hasn't had that experience. Whereas Nesta has had that experience and Nesta is just outright like, that's too big. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> He's just like, he is massive in her hand and she is just like, you know. <laughs> and then we finally get the part where he ends up finishing right there. And he's just gaping and looking at her. And then he just like realizes that like, damn. And that's just off of like touching that's not even anything else and like like, the amount of chemistry for that to happen and we see it happen in in another book I'm not going to talk about which book it is and we see that happening and it is it is is the hottest thing because it's not it's not that they don't have experience and that's why it happens but it's the fact that it's the girl and that it's the tension and it is the chemistry between the two that is able for that to happen because like let, let, let's say something real quick because like there are a bunch of smutty books out there and filthier books or whatever but the thing that really gets me and makes me think damn this book is spicy and me enjoying it is the chemistry because that chemistry and that emotion carries into all of these things and it just like showed so much it it it, it shows that their relationship I think that shows that it's not all about the sex. It is about that emotional and the chemistry, the chemistry between the two. And it it makes me just blush thinking about it because we see them kind of just moving forward. We see them throughout all these scenes where they- Right here, she totally tears him down with this. Like, yes, they have these hot moments, but then something turns them down. And she ends up like, oh, somebody's quick off the mark. Because she mistakes his little flicker his, of regret. Yeah, he, 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 she mistakes him in shock as regret. 
And I think that just goes to show, like, how she views Cassian, how she thinks Cassian views her. And I think that, um... Yeah. And, like, literally right after this, like, he can't look Asriel in the eye. And I think that's so funny. Because, like, Asriel knows. Asriel knows! It's just... Okay, but now we're gonna end up skipping over, like, you know, plot and magic and things like that because we're going to mostly talk about that in part two of this chapter when it gets more into plot in the second the second half of the book we end up finding out like they end up getting called to um the house the house the river house and you know face and end up giving out the huge news that you know they was pregnant and with a boy boy and we get that beautiful scene and we get like Cassian and Azrael being so happy and Nesta genuinely saying you know congrats yeah it was the first moment that she had like a sisterly moment and Feyre acknowledged that and saw the process saw that she's been growing and like Mm -hmm. they're like we need Nesta to do this thing and we'll kind of go over that a little bit later yeah and wrap up this yeah, we need to wrap this up because I have like five minutes before Carly is getting back. And so I really need to wrap this up. why we really want to get into like the spicy scenes because that's really what we want to yeah. get to. So then he ends up talking with Azrael after they find out about this. And Nesta is upstairs in her room at the estate and Cassian is talking with him about having kids about like you know anything like that and then he starts daydreaming right and then he's just like mad because like he finished and she didn't and that's what bothered him yeah it's the fact that he got off but he couldn't she didn't get off and then he goes and he's just like he says to Azrael turn a blind eye chaperone and goes and I was like and the fact that it, it's it's it 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 it's that his ego that he didn't like that she didn't get off it hurts him a little bit because he's like I'm the only one who got off and so he and and you know what I am okay with this little bit of ego because I'm just like yes you should care it's about a that. good kind it's a good kind because a lot of guys forget about that a lot of guys forget that because a lot of girls just fake it a lot of girls take it because quick quick education right here be honest with your partner yeah the more honest you are with them the more you can tell them what you like the more enjoyable it will be for you yeah Yeah. like we see with their communication skills in the bedroom we see how so she ends up coming in and she's mad at him she's just like oh you know like whatever but then he ends up saying, I'm here to settle a debt between us. I owe you for last night. We have unfinished business. And she ends up going over to him. And then like, he's just like, aren't your friends going to say that this is a mistake or whatever? But then he can't take him. And then they just, this stays out of training. This stays out of everything. This is just sex. That's what she says. And 
dumb bitch moment. I that was literally where I put my first dumb bitch moment. I was like, this is a dumb bitch moment. You idiot, you just want stuff. You don't, you don't stop lying to yourself. I literally sat there for like 10 minutes just brewing. I was just like, you guys are idiots. But I love the trope. I love the trope. And a lot of people say that it's like manipulative trope, but they are both in denial. Like they're both yeah. in denial. They're both saying that it's just sex. Mm-hmm. And, when, the, and attraction has been stated before. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you know, it's literally just that. And there's no history behind it. Where this, this is built on a lot of history and it's just words going in, but it doesn't mean anything. But let's just say she finally says yes. And he just goes all out. I can't wait for Asriel's book. If this is what Cassian was like, I cannot wait. Like, I have to like cross my legs just thinking about Asriel's book. Girl, I'm over here skimming through this scene. <laughs> I think I think we need to end this so we can go reread those scenes. Okay, let's just finish talking about this real quick. The things that this man says while he's just down there, I mean, if, and, and look, I'm gonna give something about the audiobook because usually audiobook narrators during scenes like this, it's kind of like, eh, about how they read these. But this audiobook, when they read the spicy scenes, it was, it was hot as fuck. Because like literally I had to, I was painting while I'm listening to this book. I literally had to stop painting, holding the painting rod right next to me and just listen to hear all the gasps and like the descriptions and everything and he just goes on her and he knows that it feels good and he's getting this pleasure from her and that's why we love fantasy books because the men always get pleasure out of pleasuring the women and that's how we know it's fantasy because men in real life ain't like that I'm, i'm sorry that's not true there are quite a few out there there's just not that many and anyways so when she finishes he ends up saying we're even now and gets up and leaves and i'm like dumb bitch dumb bitch bitch moment dumb bitch moment um so we're gonna have to end this right here here. um i don't want to end but i have to end because i have to go actually i don't want to end this so we are actually ending on chapter 23 right after (laughs) settling a debt yeah we swear the next episode is going to be more structured we're going to try and get through the rest of the book um we'll try to be more structured we will we will try to because you know we just have so much to talk this is a thick book it's not sometimes it's a really thick book and honestly could do three parts we we really could if we needed to if we needed to do like a final wrap-up we could probably do a final wrap up for this book. Right now, all I'm thinking about is all the tension. I kind of now got to go read my, I'm reading the Briar U series and I'm on the last book. And now I just got to go read. <laughs> mm, I think I might just reread chapter 26. Go. I might do. I might do. <laughs> okay. So, oh wait, 
I do want to do like, this is our first actual spicy scene. We'll, we can count the first one, but this is like the first time that they're in a bed and like whatever. What would you give the rating of that scene? Like out of- Of him going down on her. Like out of stars, like five out of five stars? Or? We'll do flame. Cause it's silver oh, flame. spicy. Um... Well, because I've read some pretty graphic things. I know you have. So but let's think about all the things. So the ten. So out of like ten spices, I'll give this like five. Okay. Because okay. I've read some hardcore. So <laughs> I'm gonna give this a six point five. Six point five. Because it's it's not. It's just oral, so it's not more. That's why I'm giving it a lower. It's just that one thing and it has to do with like the tension building up to it and the fact and just things that he says, but it's also like, that's it? That's all we yeah. yeah. So we'll give it a 6.5 because I do understand the history, but I also wanted more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll leave it at there. Yeah. So we're stopping at 23 and then yes. we're going to move forward in the next part. Um. We will talk more about the plot and the magic and Koshke and the trove and the inner circle and in the next part. And if we might, we might have to do part a third part. Um, if we, if need be, we might have to do a third part. Um, it, since it is Wednesday, it will be Thursday is when the next come one comes out. It's about forty eight mm-hmm. hours, less than forty eight hours. Yeah. So you guys will get uh, the next part there, and. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Thank you guys for listening to us freak out and listening Mm -hmm. to us fan ourselves and down things. Um, But we'll see you guys next time. See you guys. Bye.